Welcome back to another episode of The 116. How you doing? I'm Greg Fish. Good to have you with us here. The 116 is a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. And The 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. We invite you to like us and share us on social media. That helps other people get out, uh, get, helps us get the word out to other folks as well. And uh, we're available on all podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe and you can get all the updates. Also, if you're on YouTube, I can't remember if it's subscribe or follow one of those. It's free. Just follow along. And uh, we are available both in video and audio. So you can get us either places or on Siri or what's the other one? Alexis. Alexa? Alexis? Just ask for us. If you have it, you know what it is. Well, I, I, I get so excited when I come into the studio every single time because there are so many wonderful things happening in the life of our ministry here that we like to share with the world. And it, it just seems like whenever you get a chance to meet somebody new, and even though I've known today's uh, guests, the Lewises, uh, for a little while off and on, uh, getting to sit down and talk with them and getting to know them has just been such a thrill to me because it's really interesting how you, when you start to learn people's story, you find out these remarkable things about them and you realize you have such remarkable people living among you and you may not even know what is going on behind uh, the scenes of ministry. And so today our guest is uh, Dwayne and Diane Lewis, and they are with us here in the studio to talk with us about a very special, I, I know it's not a ministry per se, but yet it is. I think everything as Christians we do as a ministry, really. Um, but it, it's a, a unique thing that they discovered that both elevates the special needs community, but gives something really important to the community at large that we all need. It helps people find their place in this world and, and to find productive, valuable things to do that truly makes a difference in our society. So with that, uh, uh, guys, welcome along. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you Good, morning. Good morning. Dwayne and Diane, uh, tell me just, first of all, tell the folks a little bit about yourselves, where you, where you uh, come from. Okay, well, actually, we're originally from Chicago, Illinois, and um, we uh, grew up there as natives. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Went to school there, uh, everything, and uh, actually then I went off to college, Cornell University. Nice. Uh, studied architecture there. Uh-huh. And then went on to do a couple of masters. <laughs> and, um, and one was in human service administration, and the other one was in uh, theology at McCormick Theological Seminary uh, in Hyde Park of Chicago, Illinois. So, so it doesn't take me long to figure out probably uh, I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room today. No question about that. Not that I ever am. But, uh, wow, that's, that is really impressive. Now, once you got this great education and you set off into the world, what, what did you do with your life at first? Well, at first I went into the professional career, of course, and I worked for uh, Skidmore, Owens & Merrill, uh, which is uh, one of the larger architectural uh, companies mm -hmm. uh, worldwide uh, worked on projects all over you know large scale projects in Europe nice. and things like that oh, wow. mm -hmm. and uh, got to see quite a bit of the world myself nice. so nice. you know during the college days and uh, but it all worked out and it was a, a great experience and then actually as I began to progress and go along and Mary and mm -hmm. my wife, who I've known since a child, and 
and uh, we engaged. And then when we began to have family, uh, someone asked me, would I be interested in working still as an architect, but more so in the capacity where I can manage my family. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, we'd like to introduce you to the educational world. Nice, nice. So from there, I began to actually uh, start teaching, and I started teaching vocational education, and I taught at several of Chicago uh, public facilities, and there I went from Washburn Trade School, Dunbar, nice. uh, CVS, uh, Benito Juarez, and and then uh, Simeon, and and I went on and on until eventually uh, I retired, and then I at retirement I still had some teaching in me. So you don't look old enough to retire. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be so. But I'll, well, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Well, you got to remember I had was teaching and full-time, and I was doing the double masters in between, nice. so, yeah. you know, it was kind of, you know, years was being spent, virtually. Mm-hmm. However, uh, after I finished, um, at that point, I had my daughter, while in school, I had three kids by then. Right. We right. had had me and my wife, Diane, and she one day came home, and and she had a science project that she was working on, and, right. and she began to show it to me, and she said that, uh, hey, Dad, uh, I got this idea about uh, this little invention that we're doing, and I made it, and and she put it together to make a long story short, and it was really just answering one of the problems that the science teacher had asked her Mm -hmm. to solve. Mm -hmm. And when she solved it, uh, she asked me to help her craft it, so we sort of put our heads together and as a family and we start crafting it and put it together. Nice. And um, at that point, Diane, you could tell more about the erasement. Why don't you go ahead? Well, like you said, it solved uh, some of the problems that teachers have. Uh, they're always looking for their erasers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and markers. Mm-hmm. So she came up with an idea of what's called the eraser mitt. Okay. which solves both problems and uh, because it has a pouch to hold the markers and it's magnetic where it sticks to the board. Mm-hmm. So she's oh, like, nice. hey, my dad, you know, this will be really great, you know, to for teachers to u- utilize in school. And so from there, the teacher said, make sure you follow up and get a patent. And that's what we did. So while in the fifth grade, we helped her go through the process <laughs> of oh, getting it manufactured it. and also get, having a patent, which... Nothing like that had ever happened in our family. Someone uh-huh. having a patent, especially at that age. So we were so excited about that. Now, I, I want to go a little bit further on this in just a moment. But and, and, Diane, I want to ask you about your life trajectory as well. But uh, before I do, I've got to ask you, because seeing that you're an architect, this is the first <laughs> question I had. And, uh, of course, most of us, our experience with architects only goes as far as the Brady Bunch. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> Mike Brady. True. But no, but seriously, what is the coolest project, Dwayne? The coolest, the absolute coolest project that you've ever been a part of as an architect? Canary Wharf. Okay, where's that? In London. In London. Actually, it's in London and it's nicknamed the Isles of Dogs. But it's uh, very interesting because that was really one of my first launch projects coming out of college. Uh huh. And. I walked in on a 
$3 billion project. Oh, wow. So I was pretty excited about that. And the fact of it, it has some unique history because our project uh, manager, uh, he actually had negotiated with London to buy uh, land from them, which the project was half the size of London. And he actually negotiated a a dollar per mile. Mm -hmm. From there, he took on the project, and we ended up building uh, a facility that had, you know, um, like uh, several high-rises, a train station in, Mm. um, all kinds of residential facilities off from the waterfront. And the thing that was most exciting to me was the fact that I was communicating internationally and we were, you know, uh, doing that for the first time. And and we would run into serious problems like how do we communicate with one another in a distance and explain intricate ideas that dealt with engineering and things like that. Wow. So did you spend a considerable time in London then during this project? Well, that was interested that you uh, mentioned that because I didn't. Mm-hmm. What I ended up doing was helping the company from uh, avoiding those expenses by actually building models for them. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. And life scale models where each each uh, country could see the forms as we discussed it over nice. the phone. Yeah. Uh, Diane, tell us just a little bit of your story. Well, really, mine's kind of short. It's not as extensive as Dwayne's uh-huh. uh, because I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad, nice. you know, growing up, I watched him, you know, own a, his own fish market. And, and my sisters and brothers, we got a chance to work right there with him. So so when this idea of the racing mitt came about, you know, me, I was like, hey, Dwayne, we got to do this. We got to launch this. I, I believe I got some of the skills that, that could help us launch this product. So, mm-hmm. so really, that's my background, administration and uh, entrepreneurship. And you have three kids? Three kids. Very nice. And one's a doctor? One, yes, my oldest one. Nice. Yes. Oh, that's a story in itself wow. on how we uh, helped her get along and, and accomplish her goals. So we're excited Beautiful. about that. Beautiful. Okay. Well, and of course, you know, as parents, you can take credit for that. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> the reason she is who she is today is... Because of you guys. And I'm sure that's largely true. Yes. Uh, I'll bet she would tell us the same thing. So now, you, you've got this Eraser Mitt project going on. Yes. And uh, it actually, is this where you actually begin to build your business that has turned into what you're doing today? Uh, actually, it was the start of the business. Right. Okay. Uh, after I finished, you know, well, we finished developing the project for the kid and we uh, put it to market. Uh, I came up with an idea where um, we were first shipping it overseas. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were doing a lot of that, and um, and we ran into some problems because we 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 had to make large uh, capacities of, of shipment uh, to meet the quota. Gotcha. And we saw that as a problem. So what we ended up doing was I had, since I had already started teaching and understood how to teach students, uh, architecture and things like that and building projects Mm -hmm. that we had worked on, I said, hey, maybe the kids can actually 
make some of these projects. Right. And that way I cut the air cost and all these shipping fees and things like what the economy is dealing with now. Right. So because I was trying to meet the customer demand and our our clientele wasn't actually uh, asking for that much of a quantity yet. Right. Whereas overseas we had to ship, you know, in order to make a uh, shipment, uh, now, were you were you actually manufacturing? Product. Yes, we were. Okay. We, we went from designing it, putting it together, and then we actually started manufacturing it. So you went from architecture and then teaching to manufacturing, design, and uh, marketing, basically. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The marketing piece was new for me. Right. Yeah. How, how long ago was this? When did you start doing this? This was around in uh, 1990. Okay. All right. So uh, you've got this project going now. This, this has been going for a while. Uh, over the, How long did it take before you began to identify this uh, need when you began to work with special needs students and realize the capacity that they had for uh, uh, doing creative learning things themselves as well as uh, what you could pour into them and how it could affect the community in a positive way? How long did it take for this idea to begin to develop? This idea uh, was birthed around about recently, uh, maybe like five to six years ago. Right. It was okay. only like recently that you yeah, started. Yeah, it was a hunch. Uh, we were working with kids and started, uh, actually, like I mentioned before, having them train and build the project through mm-hmm. their after-school matters programs and things like that. And then all of a sudden, one day, uh, we were delivering an order to one uh, one of the schools in, in Chicago and the principal just ran out chasing us and said, hey, hey, can I get your attention? Uh, and I said, what's, what's, uh, what's the problem? And so she says, uh, you know, my kids can do that. My kids can do that. Yeah. And I, I said, whoa, whoa, you know. And so she says, um, she says uh, just would you, would you let them come out to your, your uh, place where you're manufacturing and, and just take them out there let, just take one. <laughs> so I went on and I, I said, okay, I, I, I haven't worked with special needs kids before, but mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot and I'll, I'll let one come out. Well, we got ready to have one come out and we were prepared and, you know, sometimes teachers can be a little pushy. So we ended up having nine show up. That's <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> so we showed them around the the studio where we worked and how we processed and everything and uh-huh. and the kids uh started fudging around so i said hey give it a shot see what you do see what you can do let's see what happens and so they started fumbling to be honest i was i was just totally blown away that's true the, the, mm-hmm. the kids got so focused involved and i saw a part of their brain that worked like i had never seen before right I, I saw uh, extreme attention, creativity, discipline, right. friendliness, uh, just hunger to learn. And I was awed at that to the point where when they got ready to leave, I went back and I called the principal and she says, okay, are you going to hire one? Are you going to hire one? I said, I want them all. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. so, so you find yourself in this position of uh, creating this product that has become a popular product and, and you're doing 
well with the product, I'm, I'm assuming. Very well. And now this, this new idea is being birthed. And not only did, did you see it as a ministry work right away, did you see it as, as something that's going to make a difference in their lives? Or at first, was this just an idea of how to put people to work in general? Well, when it came down to teaching, that has always been a ministry to mm. me. Okay. Um, however, um, with my daughter inventing the product and then us eventually transitioning some of the kids, to, uh, having them process and make it, uh, which was a total manifestation to me, um, I began to look at the special need kids a different way because I saw more of a therapeutic base for them. Gotcha. And I saw them go from mm, to wow, oh you know, and, and I began to study that. And I say, how is that happening? And so my daughter, who my wife mentioned being a doctor, mm-hmm. um, when she was in med school, I used to poke around into some of her books and things like that. And I would uh, study the brain and I would notice that. It would say things like, um, well, you know, match up things. For example, that, uh, you know, vocational education, mm-hmm. which I had been doing all along, mm-hmm. is a match for the um, students of special needs. Right. And the repetitive learning thing. And and that kind of surprised me. So I started studying it and I started recognizing how you could uh, ignite uh, different cells and get them recharged and things like that. And I began to practice it with the kids. And I noticed kids who had Down syndrome went up. Mm -hmm. I noticed kids who had all kinds of autism uh, levels on the spectrum began to focus. Mm -hmm. And but was the what was the most amazing thing for me? was seeing the parent respond. Right. I would see a parent who just did their everyday expressions come in lit up. Right. Pushing the kid to school, mm-hmm. being there, uh, picking them up on time, total cooperation with That's us. True. And I, I said, ah, now this is a perfect triangle. Mm-hmm. Teacher, student, parent. It was working. You know, back in the day, we had people like Jacqueline Vaughn, who was an old, you know, time uh, administrator, I'll say, uh-huh. who uh-huh. kind of really, 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 uh, I'll say, favored that idea. And, of course, the mayor did, too. But it was that triangle head. I had heard about it years ago, and I saw it coming to life. Mm-hmm. Now, now, this is interesting because... The way this is evolving now, you're making a difference in the students' lives. You're starting to bring something out of them. Right. You're making a difference in the parents' lives. Diane, what difference did it make in your life? Oh, my gosh. Of course, I'm not a teacher. I never taught, of course. Mm -hmm. But just working along with my husband, gosh, ah, I had so, it just enlightened me. You know, just working with these kids these gifted kids i mean i had to tell Dwayne, gosh they're gifted mm-hmm. how come you know uh uh there's not cameras more on them because they're so gifted so focused i'm like gosh i want to work with them every day wow. and as i began to sit down with them teaching them the different skills within the lab that we had set up mm-hmm. 
gosh, they, I, it was amazing. You know, I, I really, almost every day I had tears in my eyes because I'm like, <laughs> as, as I would talk to the kids, you know, we had this thing called, once they uh, across uh, the threshold of the classroom, uh-huh. we had this saying, uh, you can't say, I can't. You have to say, I can. Mm-hmm. And so each time I sat with each one of the kids, I'm like, okay, now let, let's recite. You can do it. You can do it. And the kids like, I can do it. I can do it. So, of course, along, let's just say, for example, sitting at the uh, sewing machine, uh, I'm like, okay, now we're going to learn how to thread this machine. Okay, okay, Miss Lewis, we're going to learn. I said, okay, now you can do it, right? I can do it. And I'm telling you, the kids were so focused. They learned how to uh, the thread the machines, learn how to sew just like I could. It was really, it's, I'm just speechless. Really, we, we need to spend more time with them. And, and it's interesting then because these uh, these beautiful young people who we would classify in the area of developmental disabilities and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. they actually exhibited something that you don't often see in a society in general. We, we can be a people who can give up almost too easily, yes. and, and yet they're teaching you guys something here? That's true. That is so true. I'm telling you, they will come in, first of all, like Dwayne mentioned, you know, they were so excited each day. You know, they would see us also in the hall. Mr. Lewis, Mr. Lewis, I'm not coming to erase submit today. Uh-huh. And and really, that's really all they wanted to do. We had the time, okay, now you still have to get your other work done. But they were so excited. But as they came into the room, you know, they would always say, I can do it. And they were so excited to talk to us. You know, we had heard from other teachers saying how, how you know, uh, uh, silent they were. They they were you know didn't talk much. Huh. And but when they came to you, they knew they were coming to you. Race right They the eyes lit up. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm I like, love it. really, it's it's really. It's, I'm just speechless. Wow. I'm just so excited wow. to have to, to to talk about this project. So now this project is moving along, and you also you shared with me you began to realize something else, and that is that this is not just a model for the business that you guys have, right? But you start to realize that you guys are creating a model that's important for society because we ship so many of our manufacturing jobs overseas when, in fact, we have capable people here who we can enliven and enlarge through projects like this and keep manufacturing here at home. How how did that discovery come about, and what have you learned about that? I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. Greg, because, to be honest, it was, um, I believe, a couple of people that kind of sparked that thought in me. Uh-huh. Um, our former mayor, um, he had initiated an idea to bring manufacturing. He said, if we could just bring it back to the States. Okay. And I listened to him, and then I said, wow, I'm in the midst of doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and it's it saved me a ton of money economically, and I can control my product product right. production. So I said, well, I'm working in line with what the government is viewing, in a sense, and what he's, you know, initiating. So I went full thrust with it. But what what I saw was that where it really, really helped was in a crisis like right now. Everything's locked up. Ships, you know, hold control. Here comes Christmas. Right. Where are the kids going to get their toys? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. If we had the manufacturing here, Mm -hmm. 
it wouldn't be a problem. Right. So what I did in advance, we had all of our manufacturing done right in the classroom. Right. Therefore, when we ship out, we had full control and we knew how to monitor it without any disturbance. So, in essence, what that boiled down to, we ended up doing products in 43 states, including Canada. Wow. And we did it all with the kids Uh right from the classroom. We designed the product so it was environmental friendly so that we wouldn't have to work with uh, any uh, health issues, taking it all the way through all of the health uh, laws, et cetera. And what ended up happening where we really saved a lot of money and finances was on shipment. Right. We didn't have to deal with air freight, which was huge. And that began to cut our cost margins. And we we were able to go uh, from there with uh, very little cash flow. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and, and this is going to be, I, I'm going to, this is a kind of a harsh question, but I know that some of our listeners are going to be asking this. And I know the answer because we've talked about this already. Talk to me about the quality of the product Ooh, that, that you've been good. able to put out. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll just be up front. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my teacher hat comes on. Uh-huh. And I had told the kids when they came, I, I, I was kind of hesitant about whether or not they could really perform. Sure. And we set a bar, me and my mm-hmm. wife. That's true. And we said, okay. I took the product that I had from overseas created, uh-huh. and I showed them the product. And I said, if you guys can match this product or do better, we will keep this program going Mm -hmm. and you have a job. Mm -hmm. And so the kids being as kids, energetic, motivated, they produced so many products at the beginning. And I looked at them and I have to admit, they produced products better than the manufacturers. Wow. They really did. Wow. So from there, I opened shop. You know, and we went with it, and my wife and I, we started buying equipment, and we built it, and we started going from one one group, and we started adding groups, and we started, you know, exploring other schools, and next thing you know, I knew we were down at the district, and the school system asked us, would we spread it all over the city? <laughs> <laughs> so so where are you today, then? What Tell me about, have you... Uh, diversified your product any are you still doing a race are you still producing where where are you guys today well i'm glad you mentioned that because i have to admit um we took a break and it was kind of convenient because of what all has been going on but uh during that time span um i came to peoria mm-hmm. and through my daughter's uh motivation uh being a, a doctor which she said to me one day hey dad I strike a deal with you, and I say, what's that? Uh, and she says, um, why don't you become, since you're a minister, why don't you become a chaplain? And if you become a chaplain, we can work together. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So I took the bait, I'll say, and uh-huh. I uh-huh. went on to register for CPE training. I uh, got 
you know, went through training to be a chaplain. And from there, which enlightened me a whole lot about myself, uh-huh. uh, I had told them from the beginning, I said I would drop all of my responsibilities in the business and let my wife continue while I train. But once I finished, I would reassume. Gotcha. So now we're back putting it all together and we were trying to decide where and then we said, hey, Peoria is a nice, comfortable place. We've been here for a little while. Right. We like the people. We like the area. And we like to launch the project. Well, also, I want to interject, too, mm-hmm. that COVID, as you know, hit last year. Right. And so we're dealing with that for the past uh, several months. You know, that put everything on hold. Uh, so, of course, when we came to uh, Peoria, it was, it, I guess it was great timing for us, you know, as far as the transition from Chicago to Peoria. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Dwayne went to his program, but also we began to kind of think, okay, now what changes can we make, you know, due to, you know, COVID, just like any other company, you know, a lot of things going online. So, so I just want to interject to say, yeah, COVID sure. hit, so that put us back to thinking, back to the drawing board to say, okay, now how can we, you know, redesign this program to make it work in spite of what's going on? Okay, so, and this is interesting now, so you're a Cornell-trained, basically, I'm going to just give you credit, world-class <laughs> architect. I mean, we, since you've worked in life, we'll call you world-class. But, but really, you've had some great experiences in life. Yeah. And uh, how rewarding is this, then, to be working with this part of our cult, or society that is, can I say, perhaps one of the more vulnerable corners of our society, Uh how has that been rewarding to you as a man who has had so many experiences in this life? Well, let me say this. Let me back up for a minute, mm-hmm. uh, Greg, and just say this, because the question you asked earlier, I want to kind of make emphasis toward that. Uh-huh. Um, one thing we did when we created the Eraser Mitt and we saw how it worked, um, me being an architect, I, I created it as a prototype. Gotcha an actual prototype so that if the kids actually learned how to make this product, this one product mm-hmm. start to completion, that they can design and manufacture anything. That's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we began to go from eraser mitt to T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. We began to go from T-shirts to shoes. Mm-hmm. We began to go from shoes to bags and we began to just just take the kids through this experience mm-hmm. with ease mm-hmm. because they had figured out how to do this eraser bit which gotcha. had a, a hidden amount of elements in it of lessons that we had uh, embedded through the project and here's the uh Here's the turn this is all taken, that you guys are now in process of writing a book about your experience. And what have you learned about working with special needs students that maybe you didn't know before, that maybe many of our listeners don't understand? Because we might think, well, you know, we just have to love them and nurse them along, but right. we're not sure they can be a productive member of society. What have, what have you learned in that regard? I learned overall, and it's quoted in um, Psalms 127, uh, I believe, third verse. But anyway, in a nutshell, it's saying that children are your reward. Mm-hmm. I learned that children, and I key on this, are a blessing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Sure. I had no, no thought when I invested in my own kids. The first one in particular, that she would become a doctor. 
Had no 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 vision of that. Nor the other kids how they developed. What I learned with the special need kids that really uh, I'd say uh, really uh, I, I kind of really focused on was that all children are blessings. That's true. Mm-hmm. When I worked with these kids, I, for example, saw kids who were, like you said, followed along mom's apron string. Da, 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 da. It was a kind of a burden in a sense. Mm-hmm. Going through our program began to be night and day for the parent. Begin to be a help to the house, begin to be a contributor, and actually working with us and making uh, finances in the summers and things like Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that began to be a help in mom's, you know. So I I saw that, but then I saw it grow. I saw some of our kids begin to, believe it or not, humbly jump and sit for the SAT. That's true. Wow. Wow. I saw some of them go off to junior college. Mm -hmm. Nice. I saw some, a couple of them who were artistic, get full scholarship opportunities to, like, the Art Institute of Chicago. That's true. Mm -hmm. I saw these kids growing, and with the parents seeing them growing, and what ultimately what I seen accomplished was a, a parent and family belief system. Elevating. Mm-hmm. That parent began to believe in that child, and that child began to be not a burden but a producer. Yes. So so what would, for a parent who might be listening, who has a special needs child, and they're kind of at that crossroads in their life, and they've heard you talk about what you've been able to bring out of these students, and they, they you know, parents see this in their children. Yes, they might be a little discouraged because of some things they're having to deal with, but they, they can see in their, their child is this potential that isn't coming out. Do you have any advice for them that you've learned in this journey of yours? I have one major thing that I tell all parents and whoever I meet, and I, I challenge them. I say, give us three weeks with your kid. Uh-huh. Just three weeks. And I guarantee you'll see a world of a difference. And also, I want to uh, interject, too, Dwayne, you might want to mention how Dwayne said in many of the parent-teacher conferences, um, the IEPs, you might want to touch on that because how, how po- you know, the, the narratives that we have for the kids that we design, we design yeah. narratives. Okay. So the parents will get more insight on the productivity of their child. So Dwayne yeah, might want to mention that. Yeah, for example, she's uh, stating, one thing that we was I felt like a deal breaker for the parents working with special needs kids. And this is what I discovered. Um, the, the school system works with the regular kids and they have a great amount of uh, ideas on how to get them college ready, mm-hmm. as we call it. But with the special needs kids, it doesn't exist. So... I would say, how could they ever get to those levels if they didn't have these platforms? Mm -hmm. So what I did was I sectioned out it originally from ninth through 12th grade. And I set set up a curriculum just for them. Right. But in the midst of it, like my wife's saying, at the end, rather than giving them letter grades, the A's, the B's, the C's, the D's, and have them sit in a conference 
with their counselor and go over that, mm-hmm. we birthed uh, a narrative system, right, which is commonly used in the, uh, private schools. Gotcha. And we basically would show them the growth levels of their child, right? Because many of them, the most of them, came in with uh, a fourth grade level education. Mm-hmm. Um, we would show them the growth levels mm-hmm. to the parent. And we also point out exactly in the narrative what their gifts were. Oh, wow. And then we bring copies to the meeting with the counselor, with the parent, and we'd hand personally hand the parent their copy so that they could walk home with it, study it, and begin to nurture their child on where their strengths were. Right. Well, this has been just a fascinating conversation and, uh, uh, I can tell by the time that this has been really intriguing because it's gone by so quickly. I want to give you just a, a quick opportunity to talk about this book that you're working on and what your expectations are when you think it might be available. And also, are, are you available to talk with groups on this topic? So if you could talk to me on those things. Sure, by all means. And as far as the book, Diane, why don't you tell them a little bit about the book? Well, of course, Dwayne had designed a four, 14-step curriculum and I kept telling him, I'm like, Dwayne, you, you need to put this book, you need to create a book. So mm-hmm. that's what we've been doing, you know, over the past few months, uh, putting a book together. Um, we're thinking it may take a, a couple more months, you know, to sure. finalize. But, of course, as far as contacting Dwayne, uh, we, we have, I would suggest by email at this point, uh, just to gather interest, to see if there's interest from parents who would like to have their uh, child included in a program as such, because we do... I guess starting the first of the next year, we do want to get it back going again. And so if, if that's the case, then, of course, they can always email us. Did you want me to state the email address? Sure, if you want to, then we can put it on the screen and the show notes as well. So go, okay, yeah, go ahead. well, it's actually D. Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, mm-hmm. at com. Okay. So that will be the email address. Uh, any other questions? I'm sorry. Oh No, yeah, I just... One, so you guys would be available to talk with anybody if they have questions for sure. you. They can contact sure. you by this email address. Yes, yes by email, yes. preferably at this point. Gotcha. Wonderful. Um, well, and and my notes were just rich with things, and the time has gone by. But is there anything else that you uh, think I, I want to make sure the folks know this before we go? Uh, we just basically want to give a shout out to all of the special need kids out there. Nice. We recognize that people may not know, but it's two point five billion of them out there Mm. and the fact that they are we just like to let them know that we have a heart for them and that we just want to reach them at this time and let them know most of all that we love you and god loves you most wonderful yeah oh okay so i'm going to try to keep myself uh, from getting too emotional here because that's just beautiful (laughs) i gotta tell you what a what a Thank, thank you so very much for being with us today, and may God bless you in the journey and uh, keep us posted. And anyway, we can also help you along in this journey, getting the word out about your book. Uh, want to be sure and do this because this is just a beautiful ministry you guys are doing. Thank you so much for for thank being you. with us today. Thank, thank you, you for having, having us. us. Certainly, today. certainly, really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, hey, hasn't this just been a great episode of the 116? You can help other people know about this program by sharing it, liking it on social media, and uh, be sure and follow it. Uh, on your social media or on your uh, podcast platform as well as on YouTube. Like, subscribe, uh, follow, whichever the vernacular is on your platform. And uh, sharing this word on social media is just a great way of helping us get the word out to other people, especially on an important message uh, 
like today that goes far beyond uh, First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, which is where the 116 uh, comes from. We are a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. And we want to thank you so much for coming along today. Go to peoria1.com for more information about us, about Peoria First United Methodist Church. And there's also some contact forms there. You can send us email if you have more questions as well. It's peoria1.com. My name is Greg Fish. Thank you so very much for coming along. It's been a pleasure having you all with us today. 